coming up on the Branding Deep Dive podcast. What are all the ways you can get in front of people? You can be on social media. You can be networking. You could do paid advertisements depending on your budget. You could be doing podcasts. You could, right? There's like so many things that you could do to get your name out there. And then from there, you know, the funnel starts to come down and it's like, okay, after you attract people, then you want to convert them, right? You want names and email addresses so that you can be doing things like email marketing. And so what are the, what mechanisms do you have in place to get people to convert and become a lead for you? This is Ahmachima and welcome to the Branding Deep Dive podcast. If you're new here, this is a podcast where we have in-depth discussions with founders, marketers, and brand strategists about how to build a brand that people love. Today, we're talking to Christy Mitchell. Christy is a marketing strategist that specializes in helping solopreneurs and small businesses with their digital marketing. In this episode, we dive deep into the marketing funnel, how to measure results of your marketing efforts, the jobs to be done model, and much, much more. If you feel like you have no idea what you're doing with your marketing, this episode is a must listen. Now, here's Christy. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for accepting the invite. Uh, we are extremely happy and pleased to have you on. Uh, for the audience that may not be familiar with who you are and what you do, can you give them a brief introduction? Sure. I like to refer to myself as a marketing strategist. Um, I specialize in working with solopreneurs and small business owners. I, I like to say I help them work smarter and not harder on their digital marketing. So marketing is kind of one of those topics, as you know, because you have this podcast. It's There's a lot of things. There's a lot of moving pieces that can quickly feel overwhelming um, and frustrating. And like, there's just too much and you can't handle it. So I like to show people a better way. So I, I guide them to success and give them more time back in their day and, and less stress in their life by really giving them a strategy so that they have direction and focus. They know what they need to do with their marketing. I'm not like an agency. I don't do the work for them, but I show them how to do it better, um, acting as a guide, providing strategic recommendations and accountability along the way. Awesome. How did you uh, how did you get into this? So I've I've spent about 10 years on the corporate side uh, doing marketing. And so I worked um, for a higher ed institution for a long time and I worked in financial services um, doing marketing as well. And I just kind of got to a place of, I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to kind of be in charge of my future and have some more flexibility with having a young family. And so, yeah, I set out on my own to do my own thing. I, I Corporate life was not for me um, any longer. And so I just wanted to kind of be in charge of my own schedule and find work that was really meaningful and allowed me to really continue to grow um, because just kind of how I am. I have to keep learning and growing. Otherwise I get bored, um, which isn't fun. So when I first started my business, which um, it's about three years ago, I was really just kind of doing whatever freelance marketing I could find because that was my background. I was a marketing generalist. I've done a little bit of everything in the digital space. And so I just went out and found whatever clients I could and did whatever whatever work they needed, which was a lot of social media um, execution, you know, strategy and execution, creating all the content, a lot of email marketing, blogs, websites, content strategy, all that stuff. And so I was just doing it all. And then when the pandemic hit, uh, you know, there's silver linings to everything. And I lost most of my clients because marketing budgets are the first to get cut. And I kind of just sat back and said, you know what? I didn't enjoy a lot of that work anyway. So if I need to kind of rebuild and go forward, why don't I be more 
intentional about the type of clients I'm working with and the type of work that I'm doing. And so I really kind of refocused my business and said, I really want to work with solopreneurs and small business owners. And I don't want to do the work anymore. I want to stay on the strategy side. I want to help show them that it doesn't have to be so overwhelming. Um, and that's that's kind of what, what got me here where I am now. When you were working corporate, were you doing strategy kind of stuff or was it more execution or, or a blend of both? A blend of both, I would say for sure. Um, in my higher ed role, I was the person in charge of marketing for our department. And so I coordinated with an external agency who was doing, you know, media buying for us and like that kind of thing. So like managing that relationship, um, managing student workers, like we were very lucky, the institution I worked at, we had, you know, graphic, really talented student graphic designers. So I, you know, would have them kind of on my staff or whatever, you know, marketing collateral we needed created. Um, so it was a lot of like managing, but then yes, I was the one scheduling out all the social media, writing the content for the emails, um, you know, managing a whole website redesign, um, a lot of, a lot of in the weeds. So it was a blend of both. Um, and on the financial services side, um, I was a marketing manager on a team of salespeople. So I was leading the marketing way, but also very working very collaboratively with the sales team on what they needed. So uh, now it seems like uh, I was going through your website. It seems like you're working with primarily solopreneurs and uh, I've seen the term mompreneur on there a lot, right? So yes. um, what I'm curious about is how are the the business like problems that you face in both these scenarios? How are they different and how are they similar, right? Like in corporate, were you, were you kind of running the same kind of strategy and same kind of advice or is it significantly different uh, in these two realms? That's a really good question. I think there's certainly differences and, and part of why I really like the work that I do now and working with solopreneurs is like, you are the boss, right? Like you are making the decision. So you want to be on Facebook, be on Facebook. You don't want to be on Facebook. Okay. Don't be on Facebook. When you're in the corporate environment, there's like just a lot of things that take so many levels of like approval and sign off and all of that. It can feel very restrictive and like you can't just make decisions and get stuff done. Um, so that's that just brings a whole different set of challenges. Um, and that's why I really like working with the solopreneurs and small business owners because they get to make the decision. And so when I'm working with someone to create a strategy, it's a very collaborative process. I'm not saying you need to do X, Y, Z. There's no wiggle room in that, right? It's this, okay, here's what I'm seeing based on the data of what you've been doing. Here's what I recommend. How does that feel to you? Is this doable? What is doable? How often can you be posting on social media? Do we need to bring in a contractor to execute on pieces of this plan for you? So it's a very, I, I like to say like I have a set framework and process that I take my clients through but the output is very tailored to each individual person and their needs in their business. Mm, that's interesting. Um, and then, so I want to shift gears a little bit here. Uh, like me personally, we're working on, uh, I'm working on something in the back end, and I would say like we have a team, a couple of guys and, uh, I mean, there's girls as well. So a couple people, uh, and we spent, I would say like a year creating, what we feel like is a solid product. Um, and like looking back, one of the things that I regret is that in this year, we didn't spend any time and energy on 
creating an audience or getting the word out. And so now we have this product we spent all this time and energy uh, and money on, and we don't even know how to get it in the hands of people. And so now our budget is even more limited. We're like, whereas if we started like a year ago and we're slowly building up, we, we would have had at least some feedback, some data, uh, some customers we can bounce ideas off and iterate from there. Now we're at the stage where like, okay, now our budget is limited. We spent a year on this already. Um, where do we focus on, right? Like there's so many options out there. Uh, you know, do we try to do SEO? Do we go on Instagram? Do we go on Pinterest? Do we go like, where do we like for a, a customer that you're or a client that you're working with? How do you even, what's the conversation like on like, where do you even start with your marketing strategy? Because I mean, for, for us, at least I know we're late in the game. We should have started this uh, yesterday, right? Like yeah. first time to start was yesterday, but yes. <laughs> um, like now we're at this phase and we have a limited budget and how do we kind of think through that is what I'm, uh, what I'm curious about. Yeah. So I am a huge fan of the marketing funnel framework as simple as it is, I find that it provides so much value to client to my clients. So like we start by talking about like, okay, the attract phase of the funnel, like at the very top, like how is it that you're getting in front of people, which is probably a lot of what you're talking about in your specific situation. So what are all the ways you can get in front of people? You can be on social media. You can be networking. You could do paid advertisements depending on your budget. You could be doing podcasts. You could, right? There's like so many things that you could do to get your name out there. And then from there, you know, the funnel starts to come down and it's like, okay, after you attract people, then you want to convert them, right? You want names and email addresses so that you can be doing things like email marketing. And so what are the, what mechanisms do you have in place to get people to convert and become a lead for you? Um, that's usually the, the part of the funnel that I see the biggest gaps for people. Um, they don't think through how am I going to capture people's information and, and make sure that I'm working on building this list. Um, so that convert phase and then nurturing, which is typically done, you know, through email marketing and social media. Those are kind of the two biggest that I work with my clients on. And then from there, you know, you get down to, okay, now how do I make the sale um, at the bottom of the funnel? And so in the simplest form, that's usually what I, I take clients through just to help them kind of wrap their mind around, okay, let's talk about everything that you're doing and fit that into this framework to figure out where those gaps are, where we need to kind of up our efforts. Is there a huge gaping hole? Like, do you literally have no way to capture people's, you know, names and email addresses? Okay, then we need to address that. Um, but then kind of creating that strategy based on the funnel. So it sounds like when it comes to the marketing funnel, you want to, of course, you want to start with the top and go to the bottom. Um, like, someone that is just starting out, do we need to be thinking through and kind of have the full funnel built out or uh, is it good enough to, Hey, let's just start attracting and then we'll figure out conversion and we'll figure out nurturing after. How do you kind of think through that? I try and meet people where they're at. So if they're already doing some things in the way of marketing, I challenge them to say, okay, we need to be strategic about it and make sure that you have something at each stage of the funnel so that you have a cohesive plan. And maybe it's, you know, a step one, two, three, right? Like, okay, phase one, here, we're going to make sure we at least have something to address each stage of the funnel. Stage two is like, okay, we're going to add in more lead magnets or, you know, really do more on social media or whatever that looks like. 
Um, people who are doing absolutely nothing, I know that it can feel overwhelming. So I try and like, again, meet them where they're at and say, okay, like what is doable and realistic for you? If you're not doing anything at all, let's talk about how you're going to start, you know, getting out there on social media, which channels you're going to be on, what type of content you're going to be posting. What is the schedule you're going to commit to and stick to? Cause consistency is key. Um, and those sorts of things. So I never want someone to not get started because it feels too overwhelming. So if you're at that stage, I just want you to get moving. Um, but if you're at the stage of already getting things out there, then I really challenge you to, to be more strategic, to make sure, right. Cause if you, you could attract people all day long, but if you don't have a way for them to convert, like that's a missed opportunity. Mm. So it's like, this is my understanding. Um, but please correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like when you go to, when you go through each level of the funnel, it, it seems like the data is more muddy, the, the more open, the, the, you know, at the higher end of the funnel. So like when in the attract phase, it seems like it's really hard to gauge what efforts are working, what efforts are not working. And then I feel like as you get to like conversion sales, like you have access to more, like, you know, where they clicked, you know, your bounce rate and stuff like that. Right. So, um, for people that are in like that attract phase, uh, I guess two questions here. Uh, number one is like, what are like a few options that they could be using for uh, attracting customers? And then how do you measure success and how do you know which opportunities to keep pushing uh, money and effort into versus which ones to drop? Yeah, that's a great question. It's funny because I didn't think about it like that before, that measurement is like probably hardest or the muddiest at the top. Um, it gets clear as you go down. That's a really great point. And I agree with it for sure. I And I think that attract is that one that probably feels the most like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Uh, if you've heard that analogy, I've been hearing it a lot lately to describe marketing. Um, people just kind of are doing a whole bunch of things and not really sure like how it's performing or if it's performing, what it's doing for them. So I think that identify, again, using the framework to say, okay, what are the things that I'm doing that are really not attract phase? And then how can we bring data into that? Right. So if you're on social media and you're trying to get in front of more people, it's finding ways to measure that, um, which is going to vary a little bit platform by platform. Right. Um, I'm a huge LinkedIn person. That's where I live. It's my favorite platform. I feel like it's the one place or one of the only places these days that you can still really grow organically um, in, a, in a big, meaningful way. So for me, I last year, I signed up for an analytics program called Shield App. Um, I'm happy to send the link to you if you want to share that with in the show notes or something. But um, I, I, I'm not creating content on LinkedIn from a business page. So I don't get the benefits of the analytics that come with a business page. I'm just branding myself and putting content out as myself. And so unfortunately, the way LinkedIn is right now, there's no way to really measure data besides just looking at each post and seeing how many impressions and engagements you got, which is not ideal or really that helpful. So Shield app allows you to measure the results of all of your posts that you're posting as an individual person. And so I use that. I was just in it this morning. I use that to kind of look at like what posts really resonated the most, like over the past six months or are the, is there content that was over six months? Maybe I could reuse that. Like, let's pull that back out again. What, what really resonated with people and what got the most, you know, impressions, what got the most engagements and comments um, so finding tools within each tactic that you're doing, I think 
is worth the effort to ask yourself if I'm going to put the effort and time and maybe money, depending on what you're doing into this tactic, how is it that I'm going to measure my results? Um, because not having a way to measure it is, yeah, it's just setting you up to probably waste a lot of time and energy and money and nobody can afford to do that. So thinking of how you're going to measure it, I know that's one super specific example. Um, you know, when you're doing paid ads through somebody else, through a third party, like making sure that you're clear on asking those questions, like what can I expect to receive as far as data goes so that I know how this is performing? What are benchmarks for a typical company like myself that you've worked with? I think asking a lot of meaningful questions um, can help. It, it helps them to know that you're on it and that you know what you're talking about. And that they really need to, you know, make your marketing dollars work for you. Um, but I'm trying to think of other, do you have other attract phase tactics you're thinking of that you want to know how to measure? I was, so um, I guess I'm not sure what bucket they would go into, but like when I think of attract, I would think content marketing, SEO, yes. um, even like a podcast, right? Like that's what I'm thinking through, but um, yeah, I guess like to be more specific, what I'm curious about and what I want to learn more about is like, I think when it comes to B2B, it's a little bit easier, um, especially if you know what you're doing and you have the expertise uh, to communicate that. And I mean, like you use LinkedIn and I feel like direct to consumer is just such a tricky place because you need a critical mass of customers. You you don't just need like B2B, you can you just find like five clients and you know you're probably you you can be set maybe even with one client, you know, you get a big paying client and you're set for you know the year or whatever mm -hmm. it is. But when it comes to direct to consumer, if you have a product that you're trying to sell, I feel like you you need like thousands of people that are paying, unless you have like a high ticket item, but like yeah. item, for the vast majority, let's say it's like a $20, $50 item. Mm -hmm. Um you know, you need at least hundreds of people to first find out that you exist um, yes. and then end up, you know, you, you need to take them through the whole funnel until they purchase. So that's right. what I'm kind of curious about. Like you have a blog on your site. Is it important mm -hmm. to have a blog if you are in the direct to consumer space and like blog content marketing, SEO, how important is this stuff? Can you attract without those things nowadays? I worked with um, a local woman here near me. Um, she does professional home organizing. So she is in that B2C space. And so in working with her, we addressed all of these aspects that we've been talking about. Um, SEO being one of them. So she said, you know, I've, I've got a couple, I've gotten a few organic leads through my website um, in the past and they, they usually convert. So I would really like to, you know, figure out how I can get more of those. And the way that she knew this was by looking at her analytics to say, okay, these people came in organically through Google search and they converted. And, you know, we could, we could spend a whole session just talking about how you even unpack Google analytics. Um, but she knew enough that a couple of these people had come in and she said, I really want to, I want to do more there. I have a blog, but like, I hate doing it. And it's really just tedious. I don't want to do it anymore. And it was this whole thing. So I said, okay, Let's look at it. So I ran an SEO report so I could show her what, what keywords she was showing up for. I asked her for some like competitor sites so I could look up them and see what keywords they're being found for. So she has that 
you know, comparison. Okay. Here's what I'm being found for. Here's what other people are being found for. Do I want to be found for some of those words, you know, of the ones I'm being found for, are they the right ones? Are there some that are missing that I want to be found for? So we went through that whole process. And then we picked out like a a top list of like five to 10 keywords that she was going to really target going forward as she builds content for her website. That was kind of another challenge in and of itself. She hated blogging. The reason she hated blogging was because she felt like she had to write blogs about keywords. And I was like, no, 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 that's not like, I could understand why you hate blogging. If that's, if it just feels this, like this very tedious transactional, like, all right, well, I got to build content around these keywords because that's what I need to do. And I said, no, don't do that. So I take clients through an entire process um, that's the, I call it's the jobs to be done model. It's actually, it was created by a Harvard business professor for like product innovation, but I've seen it applied with content and it's really cool. And it's a really neat and valuable way to create content that's going to resonate with your audience. And so when I took her through that process and showed her, like, if you really understand your audience and you understand their pain points, you understand what they want to hire someone to do for them. You can create content that's really helpful to them. It's, you know, those, you know, a guide to organizing your bedroom or, you know, whatever it is. So we went through that whole process and I got her thinking about the past clients she's worked with. She has all these great, you know, stories to tell about spaces that she's made over and what that's done for her clients and all of that. So once I kind of helped her flip her thinking about how to create the content, then she got really excited to do it. And I think she committed to like one blog post a month or something to start. And, and again, that's what I like. Would I like you to be posting a blog every week? Yes. Is that doable for her? No. Okay. Well, let's do once a month then better than nothing. Um, it's really that getting that steady stream of new content on your site so that Google's crawling it and the keywords are in there and it all kind of works like that machine in the background that no one really fully understands or knows is there, but it's there. And it's helping when someone types something into Google to arrive at your website for what they want. Um, so really going through that process of identifying the keywords, coming up with a better strategy to make sure that you can integrate those keywords. Um, and then I showed her things like, you know, tagging the photos that are with each blog. Like she had been using this like generic photo for like every single blog. I'm like, no, we need different photos. We need to like name them something that's related to that post with the keywords. And like, you got to get the whole thing going. End result, like two months later, she texts me with like all these excited emojis about like all these inbound leads that she got um, just after a couple of months Mm. of kind of remaking everything that was there and and getting Mm. that strategy in place. And she started getting more organic leads. So I do agree with SEO and content creation and all of that. And I think it needs, again, needs to be done in a way that is manageable and doable for the business owner. Yeah. I think that's, that's a huge one. Whereas like, I I know for like one of the things, one of the projects we were working on, we were trying to get SEO and the people that we kind of were working with, um, they gave us like a report of like, these are the keywords you need to target. And then like our writers were just like, dude, I don't want to write about this. (laughs) I was just like, okay, uh, we need to re-strategize how we're going to do this. But um, yeah, I, I think, if you could touch a little bit more on the jobs to be done model. So you, like, essentially yeah. it sounds like what you're saying is that this model puts you in the shoes of the customer and uh, the things that they want to do and, you know, what they're looking to achieve. And then, you know, you work backwards to create 
uh, content or whatever it may be to serve that. Is that accurate? I haven't heard yes. of this before. Yes, it is accurate. Um, it's funny too. I just posted about this on LinkedIn today and I've been, it's in my queue to be, to be creating more content to help educate people on this. Um, but yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it's really understanding who your target audience is like really understanding them is the first step and then talking about their pain points. So, um, I'm working with a client now and she's, she's a very introspective person by nature. And she's just, she's very good at like analyzing what someone says and what that really means and like all of that. And it's funny because she's struggling with the pain points thing. Cause she'll, she goes into that deep analysis and I'm like, stop time out. What I'm asking you is like, what is, what is the thing that you've heard from people? Like, what is their actual pain point? Like, what is the complaint that they've had? And it's some very, you know, for her, it's some variation of, I'm just not happy in life. I don't feel fulfilled. I'm not happy in my job. Like when it comes at the end of the, like very simple to the point, like what is the pain point? And then there's kind of this interesting formula that's a little too difficult to get into in a conversation like this, but it's basically a formula to, to take that pain point and translate it into a job to be done. So, um, you know, for someone who's feeling unfulfilled in life, help me find meaning in life when I feel like I'm stuck, um, could be a way that you're framing the pain point as a job to be done as Mm. an example. And then from there, then you start thinking, how could I create content that helps solve for that job to be done? How can I create a blog post or a social media post or an email, you know, that really helps speak to that? Because that's how you're going to resonate with the customer at the end of the day, not pitching your services and why you're so great and why people work with you and why they love you so much. Like that stuff is good and it has a place, but you can't leave with that all the time because it's not, it's just not going to resonate with people. So the jobs to be done is the pain point and then the job you have to do to get past that pain point. Yes. Got it. Got it. That's, that's pretty cool. That's a really cool way to look at it. Um, one thing I did want to ask you, and this is kind of like a, a personal thing because I, I mean, eventually I'd like to transition to, you know, something similar to what you're doing. Um, when it comes to working with solopreneurs, how do you explain the value of a marketing professional or like marketing service provider, right? Like how do you provide, you kind of touched on this in the, like in the episode already a little bit, but uh, I'm curious to see how that conversation really is. You, you mentioned that you were worried people aren't going, aren't going to pay you for the strategy piece, right? So how did you, how do you frame that conversation and how do you communicate the value so that people are willing to pay? I will tell you that it's an ever evolving process. I don't have it completely figured out. Um, which is kind of the fun of being in business for yourself. There's always something to learn and improve on. So um, I worked with a branding person last year for myself to help me when I made that big pivot, because I'm like, I was so used to kind of speaking corporate speak and my DBA and everything that I had before christymitchell.com was more, you know, it just felt different. It felt more like an agency, not like me as a person. Um, So hiring a branding person can be really helpful. Um, I also just started working with my own business coach, which has been immensely helpful because it's helped me realize that sometimes I can get very focused on deliverables and outcomes and not in a way that is resonating necessarily with people. And so really getting to the root of what I'm helping them with. Um, and some of it kind of goes back to that emotional aspect of it, right? Like I am going to take the overwhelm out of your marketing for you. I'm going to help you see a clearer path. 
you're going to know what you need to do. It's going to, you know, you're going to have this clear action plan. You're going to, you're going to have the peace of mind knowing that you have a complete strategy so that all the pieces are working together. And it's not this like disjointed jumble mess of things that we don't really know how they're working or if they're working. Um, so I think, you know, really getting to the heart of those problems that I'm solving for my audience is the key. And I'm still, I'm still figuring out the best way to talk about it to help people really understand what I do. But testimonials are really helpful. Um, great way to showcase those outcomes again, for sure. It sounds like you're saying that the answer is the jobs to be done model here too. <laughs> it really is. It really is because if, I mean, marketing has just become so noisy, right? When you think about all the channels out there that people are inundated with on a daily basis from the apps on your phone and the ads that show up there to commercials on TV, on the radio, on whatever streaming thing you're doing, like billboards when you're driving down the road, right? Like print ads in the magazine you're reading. There's just, there's advertisements everywhere especially all over the internet, right? Every website you go to, every social media platform, like there's just ads everywhere. And the way I think that you rise above that noise is to be solving problems for people. Like that's what's going to resonate. I want to tune into that. I have a problem. You have the solution. Okay, I want to hear what you have to say. Like if Mm. it's just another ad pitching me for your service, like I'm tuning it out. I'm not even paying attention. Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. Last couple of things I wanted to ask you, uh, you have an article on your site about having a tribe. You also mentioned right now you have a, a business coach and you work with a branding person. Um, I think for people that are in business on their own, uh, it can really feel like you have no one, that you, you're on a little island, right? And so I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on the importance and the role that these tribes play. Um, I, I'll give you an example. So I have so, you know, the project I was working on with the products, one of the guys, uh, we brought him on board to work on marketing. Um, I just don't have the, the time or bandwidth to actually do this stuff myself. So I was like, okay, your responsibility is marketing and you're, you need to get the word out on this product, right? And so I think like a month went by and really we didn't have anything to show. And I was like, okay, I don't care about any of that. What I need you to do is sign up for this, essentially like a marketing mastermind. It's like, it was a paid thing. It was like a hundred dollars a month, something like that, 150. I was like, just show up to these meetings once a week. And that's all I need you to do. Right. And so after that, like, he was like, he was really hesitant to join because like, oh, I was like, I'm going to spend money on this. And like, I don't know if it's worth it. Like, I don't even know these guys. Like, it's, but then after he was like, dude, this is incredible. Like, I feel so excited, you know, like, uh, you know, just being around people that are doing this stuff. Right. And they're, uh, trying things and I could pick their brain. It's just it's super helpful. Thank you. So I wanted to get your perspective on that. Uh, I know you, you have some thoughts on that. So. Yeah, I, it resonates. I love that you were on my blog and you read that post. Um, because I, I think I wrote that one during the pandemic. It was like this realization that like, you have to have people behind you because I've heard the phrase and I love this. This is what came to mind immediately when you started this, um, going down this path is, you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. Mm. Like you can't think of it as being alone or you're going to be lonely. And you, I mean, quite frankly, I don't know if you can really be successful in that way because 
I think it comes back to the whole notion of learning from other people, understanding that you don't know everything. And that, I mean, especially when it comes to a topic like marketing, like things are changing all the time. So you have to be constantly signing up for those masterminds and those courses and networking with people and picking people's brains. And like, you just have to be actively searching for more knowledge all the time, I think, to continue to be successful. You can't just create your business and be in a vacuum and say, these are the people I serve and this is what I'm doing. That Like, you're not, you're going to become extinct. Like you can't, that's not a, a long lasting business model that's going to work. Um, you have to be understanding how consumer behavior is changing and what people want and need is changing and um, surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you in certain, you know, in a lot of areas, right? Um, recognizing that there's more to be learned and that there's experts that maybe you need to bring in to your team. Me hiring a branding person, that felt so weird. Like I'm not a branding person, but I'm like, I'm in marketing. Like I'm hiring someone else to help me with marketing. Like that feels weird, but I will tell you it was invaluable. Like the whole phrase, like you can't read the bottle from, you can't read the label on the bottle from inside the bottle. Like it's so true. You need someone else to be that outsider looking in and not just about branding, but about a whole bunch of other things in business. So I think the best thing you can do is surround yourself with other people who have other experience that can help get you thinking and learning and growing all the time. So on that note, I think, especially when it comes to like business coaches, um, I don't know about branding so much, but like definitely in the business coach space, I feel like there's a lot of people that uh, talk a big game, but don't necessarily have uh, real value that they're providing. So for someone that is looking to find, uh, you know, someone to work with or, you know, mentors and stuff like that. Is there, do you have any advice on how to pick uh, and how to find someone that might be a good fit? Yes. Oh, I feel like I could tell you all the things not to do. Cause I feel like I've had so many people come to me and be like, I hired someone and I didn't get anything out of this. Um, I think, I think really following the person on social media, engaging with them, making sure you've had, so I'll tell you about my journey with my business coach. So I found her through a mutual connection on LinkedIn. We both got interviewed by the same guy. And so I saw her interview and I was like, oh, she's really cool. Like I want to start following her on LinkedIn. So following her, engaging with her content, she asked me to join her Facebook group. I was like, yeah, I don't really love Facebook, but like, yeah, sure. I'll come check it out. Long story short, it's like, my favorite Facebook group, because she's so good at getting people to engage. And I've met so many wonderful women who I can refer business to, which is awesome. And they can refer business to me. Um, so then we, then we ended up scheduling a coffee chat. So we got online for 30 minutes, you know, chatted about business, whatever. Then I ended up signing up for one of her like mini courses. It was like a week long thing you know, low price point. I was like, yeah, let me do this. Like, I really like her. I like the stuff she's putting out there. Like, let me do this. So I did that. Then she had this offer for like a 90 minute strategy call. And I was like, okay, yeah, let me do that. Um, and then she's like, I'd really love to continue working with you. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like it's a lot of money to invest and you know, that whole thing. And then I basically was like, look, I'm trying to take my business to the next level. Like I can't do that on my own. I need someone else to help me get there. And for me, what was, I think you need to have clarity on what type of coach you want. Cause there's a ton out there for me. I wanted someone who specifically helps with like 
packages and offerings and making sure that you you have a good strategy when it comes to that part of business. I don't, I have like a coach that I work with on like mindset and like that kind of stuff. Like I've, I've been doing that work. I don't need another person helping me with that kind of work. So I think you need to have clarity on what it is exactly that you're looking for, because there's so many different types of coaches out there. So she took you through the whole funnel all the way from her track. She did. <laughs> she sure did. Yeah. Awesome. Christy, it's been, it's been a pleasure. Where can uh, the audience find you uh, and your work if they're looking to you know connect with you? Yeah. Find me on LinkedIn. I will say I don't connect with people I don't know. So follow me. Um, or if you're interested in setting up, you know, a networking call, send me a direct message. Tell me this is where you heard about me um, and that you'd love to chat. And I am open to doing that. Um, you can also find me at christymitchell.com. So I have some free resources on there because what kind of marketer would I be if I didn't? Um, so you can sign up for my newsletter. You can download my free social media guide and templates. And I am a big thing on my list for this year is creating more resources. So maybe by the time this podcast episode airs, I'll have a lot more out there for people. Awesome. Thank you so much, Christy. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Now, as always, I have my key takeaways from this episode, but before we get into that, I want to share a clip with you from our discussion with Tim Fitzpatrick on the marketing fundamentals. So we've got to have a plan because in the absence of a plan, like everything is an opportunity. So when you get an email next week saying from some guru saying you got to be on, on TikTok or whatever the newest, latest, greatest thing is, you're like a squirrel chasing a nut and you just like chase the newest tactic and you never give things enough time to really gain traction and start to be effective. If you enjoyed this discussion with Christy, I am sure you'll also enjoy the episode with Tim. Check it out wherever you're listening to this episode. It is episode number 43. Now here are my key takeaways. Number one, understand and optimize the marketing funnel. Take a look at your marketing strategy and see where you have gaps in taking people from unaware to paying customer and optimize for that. And number two, the jobs to be done model. Understand who your target audience is, talk about their pain points and frame it as a job to be done. This will attract the people in your target audience right to you. And that is all for this episode. If you enjoyed this discussion, the easiest way to help out is to leave a review and share with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next episode.